Alright, so uh, we finished up last week at Revelation. Uh, Revelation is an encouraging book. Everybody should read it. It's really good. Um, and God wins at the end. So, we're going to talk about Paul and some of his writings. If you got the handout, those are all the books that Paul wrote through the Holy Spirit. Now, if I reference Paul, uh, Paul uh, is what we're going to introduce you today. Um, and remember, humans wrote it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them what to write. They wrote it down. There was authority. And uh, actually, he gave them the authority of, of writing these things down. And so, uh, what do you call those kind of people who are, are uh, eyewitnesses of Jesus, who walked with him, who talked with him, who saw him at the crucifixion, and who saw him come back to life? Now, Paul is a little different exception. Uh, a lot of times we uh, go to the Bible and we're like, oh, that's the exception, and then that's the rule. No, no, no. Okay? There is a rule, and then God can do whatever he wants. Okay, And He, God is the exception, uh, not this. And so uh, Paul always told people that he was not really special. He was not – and I don't think if he was here today that we would even like treat him any – we shouldn't treat him any, any special than anybody else. He was a human that was used by God through the Holy Spirit to write these things down and to go on a journey. And he had four missionary journeys. And so we're going to back up because he's called an apostle. Um, and an apostle is one who was sent on a mission uh, from Jesus to give the message. An apostle is accountability to his sender, which the apostles were sent by Jesus. There you go. Sunday school answer. Here we go. And so he was an apostle who... Um, was descriptive in title in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 uh, it actually says that he is an apostle he was sent to earth by the heavenly father uh, with God's authoritative message and so he was faithful delivering uh, this this message and an apostle delivered the message of God if you look at John 17 1 through 5 while Jesus was here on earth he personally selected from many followers only 12 of them, and he called them apostles. And there was an apostleship, and then there was disciples. Okay, so there was apostles, and there was disciples. The apostles were very close with Jesus, very special to him to take the message, and the disciples were in numerous. Uh, they, they counted almost up to 500 of those who followed him. So you have to understand, a lot of these stories, when, when they're writing them down in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, there was disciples that followed Jesus everywhere. And so there was the apostles who were very close to him, and then there was disciples. And we're called disciples today also. The chosen, or the ones that were set apart to be an apostle, there were 12, okay, minus one. Why? Judas, okay. Uh, Judas betrayed Jesus, and instead of repenting, he hung himself. Um, thus, when Jesus returned to heaven, he left behind only 11 apostles. And so uh, they had to get the 12th, another, another one to replace Judas. So some time later, remaining apostles were in Jerusalem praying with Jesus' mother, his brothers, and other believers. And the group totaled about 120. So the disciples, I mean the apostles with the disciples in Acts chapter 1. Simon Peter addressed the group and told them, uh, that Psalm 69.25 predicted Judas's uh, uh, downfall, and Psalm 109.8. And so they had to pick another apostle. So 
here are the qualifications of an apostle. So they had to be with Jesus all three years. Um, he needed to have heard the Jesus' life-changing teachings orally with Jesus and see his miracles. And he needed to have witnessed Jesus' sacrifice himself on the cross and afterwards as walking with the disciples. Now, that was the norm of an apostle. Okay? Then we get into Paul, and we're going to see what the difference is here. These were pivotal facts of Jesus' life and a heart message that he taught and a personal witness. So, here's the thing about the New Testament. It was all eyewitnesses. Okay? So, if you want to go into a court system, what do you want to bring? Second-hand or third-hand information or an eyewitness? You want to bring an eyewitness? Okay, because they saw, they heard, they were there. And so an eyewitness is a reputable uh, person to write these things down. And so, um, in the span of uh, AD 33 to AD 68, 69, somewhere around there, people were still alive that walked with Jesus. And so they wrote these things down, and they that's where we get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Paul, well, he went through some trials to get his message out, but we'll talk about him. On repeated occasions, the apostles gave witness to the personal observation of Jesus. Remember, when you have a witness in court, you don't want them all to have the same story. Because then what does the, the judge think? Yeah, staged, or you've got your story straight, okay? So you want some inconsistencies, which were not really inconsistencies. Um, if I was with Katie uh, at her birthday party, and I was the only one there, okay, I could say how she was feeling, and... Uh, but if somebody saw her afterwards, they would know how she was feeling afterwards. So it's not that we had different stories, it's just different experiences with Katie. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and James, and uh, the one who wrote Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but all of them had different perspectives and different ways uh, that Jesus took that information and put it down through them. And so here we go. Um, in two epistles, Paul identifies the office of an apostle as first that Jesus appointed to serve the churches, and it was a foundation. You've got to remember there was prophets, okay? Prophets told what God wanted them to say uh, to different towns and different uh, nations. And then the apostles were the foundation of the new covenant, which was the church, which we're in the church age today, okay? And so from that point, then they appointed preachers and teachers and people who were elders and deacons. And then those are now on the foundation of the apostles. Clearly the work of an apostle was to lay the foundation of the church, and secondary was to talk about Christ himself. So you have tons of scripture about Jesus and what he did. After the apostles laid down the foundation, the church could be built. Now, if you have one foundation, right, do you build another foundation on top of that? And do you build another foundation on top of that? No. You don't, have, you don't see houses with three foundations, or four, or five, or six. So there was only one time that we needed to have the foundation to, to uh, have these words written down. And so in Acts chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Jesus appointed the apostles to the founding of the church, and the foundation was laid. After the apostles' death, the office couldn't be passed on. Um, and if they did, they would have died with them. There was three instances where the apostles gave that, but they had less and less uh, relationship with Jesus outside of that eyewitness. And so, 
Those are the things in the New Testament about apostles. Okay, uh, there were the three qualifications, and they were they had to have close relationship with Jesus. So why is Paul any special? Okay, Paul said, "I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not really that important." So Paul the apostle. Here we go. First of all, we have to understand that Paul. What was his first name? Saul. Saul. Okay, it was Saul, and then God changed it to Paul. Now, why was it Saul first? Yeah, he was a persecutor of the church. He was going around killing Christians. He didn't think that they were the way, the truth, and the life. He really was angry with them. He got permission from the Jewish leaders and the synagogues to go and persecute Christians. And so his name was Saul. So Jesus encountered him and told him these things and changed his name to Paul. So if you were part of the church, if you were part of the church that he was talking to or visiting, and you saw this guy coming, and you knew it was Saul, the murderer of Christians, and invited him to church where there were Christians, what would you say in the back of your head? I probably wouldn't go. Either. <laughs> yeah, this is a murderer. Uh, why is he at church? Okay. Um, and probably some of our churches wouldn't hire him today anyway. But Paul the Apostle. So Paul the Apostle was the eventual follower of Jesus through unordinary means. Okay? Paul is commonly regarded as one of the most influential figures of the apostolic age. He founded several churches in Asia Minor and Europe. I mean, he traveled. If you want to have a traveler, boy, he traveled. He took advantage of his standing as both Jew and Roman citizen to the council. So the really cool thing about Paul is that he knew where to use his Roman citizenship where to use his Jewish influence, and where to use his Christian influence. And the really cool thing is that they were, you'll see in the story here, uh, they were going to, well, they were beating him, and he's like, whoa, 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 you can't beat a Roman citizen. He's like, guess where I'm going? I'm appealing to Rome. And so he got free ride from Rome, paid trip. Now he was in prison, and he was in house prison, and he was on a shipwreck, and he, all kinds of stuff. But Hey, might as well go off the dime of, the, of uh, the politics at that time and pay for his trip. And when he was going, he was preaching what? Jesus Christ. I, I like that. That's cool. You know, oh, I'm a Roman citizen. I'll use that for Jesus' advantage. Oh, I'm a Jew. I can go to the pro-council. I can go to the synagogues. Oh, I was under Gamaliel. I was, I'm going to use my wisdom of, the, of, of this. I'm going to use this. And the really cool thing is that he just knew right when to use it for the right time for the right reason. And God put that on his, on, his, on his heart. Paul's birthplace was not uh, a land that really knew Jesus. Uh, he, he was birthed, birthed in Tarsus with a Hellenistic city. And boy, Hellenistic cities... Anyway, you can look that up. Uh, Tarsus was a modern day... Anybody know? I like Thanksgiving. Turkey, yeah, there you go. Uh, Tarsus is now the modern-day Turkey. Uh, I wonder if they have Turkey in Turkey. Anyway. Uh, literary sources confirm that Paul's native city um, was really a hotbed of everything. Political, sexual, everything. Uh, Paul in the New Testament, known by a Hebrew name Saul, and then he was changed. He studied under the ranking rabbi of the era of Gamaliel. So this is like saying, I, I know I studied under, um, if you're a scientist, you studied under... Um, Einstein. 
Well, Einstein, yeah, okay? I studied under Einstein, and people are like, oh, you know everything about Einstein. Uh, so when he went to cities or synagogues, and he said that I was under the rabbi Gamaliel, he was like, whoa. You know, and they started listening. And he used that for his advantage. Now, sometimes it came a disadvantage, because then he started talking about Jesus, and Gamaliel really wasn't about Jesus. They kind of wanted to throw stones at him and kill him. There's two ways to interpret scripture, exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is, if you want to spell that, E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. That's exegesis. Exegesis is taking the history, the historical reference, the language, where he's at, what he's doing, looking at God's scripture, looking at the whole Bible in context and looking at what the scripture is. That's exegesis. Okay? Eisegesis is when we take our culture and try to fit it in the Bible. Okay, We want exegesis. We want to see what the culture, what Paul was talking about, what Jesus was talking about. Does it mesh with the whole Old Testament? Does, the whole, does it mesh with the New Testament? Does it have any reference uh, to that time? And then it, we apply it to our lives. Eisegesis is saying, well, this is how our culture is, and we're going to just mess around with it and see if it fits our culture. We don't want eisegesis. We want exegesis. No matter if it... It makes us mad, no matter if it makes us angry or unsettling. We need to know what Jesus wants, not what our culture fits. You understand the difference there? Okay. Most people today want to eisegesis it. They want to say, well, that's not really what it says, and we're going to manipulate it, and that's not really what Jesus meant, and we don't do that today, so we're not going to do that. Huh? You either take the whole scripture or you don't take it at all. You can't pick and choose. It's not like a, a, a buffet. Okay, so here's here's where we're going to start. Uh, Paul had these books. If you look at your pamphlet, there had all these books that he wrote letters uh, to uh, each of the churches to personal people, and he spoke three languages. <laughs> Man, he was smart. Um, he knew um, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic uh, like the back of his hand, which is crazy to me that you could understand these things. Uh, and so a lot of times we need to go back to the actual scripture and what it was written down. So if you look at 2 Corinthians, yeah, there 2 Corinthians 11, 21 through 30. Now, this is Paul, okay, standing up in front of people and saying where he came from, okay, from when he started walking with Jesus until he started talking about this. Listen to this. I just think, if you went through all these things, would you still be a Christian? Would you still be preaching Jesus? Would you still be on the same path that put you all through this? Okay? To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. Now wait a minute, this is Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He was an apostle, he was a special apostle, he was with Jesus. After Jesus resurrected. And he said, what? I'm speaking as a what? A fool. Hmm. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I love that they put that in. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, 
and been exposed to death again and again. And you're thinking, you want people to come to Jesus? Uh, Would that work in a lot of our churches today? Hey, when you come to Jesus, you're going to be exposed to death. You're going to be exposed to persecution. You're going to be exposed to all these things. And they're like, eh, I'm not signing up. Look at this. Five times that I received from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. So somebody do math on that. But anyway. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in open sea. I had been constantly on the move. I had been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger of this, in the city, in danger in the country, in the danger at sea, and in the danger from false believers. Good grief. 27. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, listen to this, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Just just let that settle in. When we talk about Paul and when he writes these letters, it will show his weakness. What was his ultimate weakness? His ultimate weakness was he is nothing without Jesus. Nothing. He said he had a thorn and he prayed three times to take it away, but Jesus didn't take the thorn away. He let it stay to humble him. He went through all this just for the simple fact of preaching Jesus. And he didn't give up because his weakness humbled himself. It, it, it humbled him. And I think our weakness should be humbling also. We cannot do it alone. It is Jesus who saves us. And so what was Paul's theology? Theology is the study of God, godly things. And so what was Paul's theology? At the center of Paul's theology is Sunday school answer. There you go, Jesus. Okay? Jesus first, others second, himself last. And boy, did he put himself last. Okay? Even to the point where he says, you know, I'm not that any, I'm not special. I'm the least of the apostles. Several uh, doctrinal statements capturing Paul's majestic vision. Uh, Here's a couple of them. To him, to Jesus, be the glory forever. That pretty much sums up his his theology. By the command of an eternal God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is made known through all nations. So who is he trying to get to, to follow Jesus? Everyone. The ones who threw stones at him. The one who was beating him. The ones who didn't like him. Even his family members didn't like him. He gave up everything. Literally, when you were under Gamaliel, okay, when Saul was under Gamaliel, he had everything he ever wanted. He had a house, he had money, he was in the Jewish pro-council, he knew all the law, he, he had the best teachers, the best houses, the best money, the best everything. And he said, I consider it all rubbish. Because I'm following Jesus. I'm not saying you can't have those things and use it for Jesus. It depends on how you use those things. It's the heart of the issue. 
But he literally went out and started killing Christians, and and God said, you're going to suffer for that, but you're going to suffer in Jesus' name. And he wrote these things through Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He was comforted by Jesus. Not by family, not by friends, not by other people. And, and every time they got closer to Rome, fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people supported him. Like almost at the end of his life, there was only two people who supported him. And that's all the churches he wrote to. That's all the Christians around the area. There's two people. Now listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15.9 For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He even admits it there. Even before he knew Jesus, he said, I'm going to call these people, I'm going to persecute them, I'm going to do... But Jesus, check this out. This, this is awesome. Because Paul's beginning to really, like, mind-blowing. We meet him before he becomes... The Saul becomes Paul. We meet him one time before he goes through that, that time. So, check this out. Acts chapter 7, 54 through 60. Oh, this is good. Oh. Okay. So, here's Stephen. We're getting sidetracked a little bit. But Stephen who was, was preaching Jesus. And um, he was preaching Jesus to some of these uh, uh, Pharisees. And uh, they kind of didn't like it. Okay, they were going, he was trying, I mean, if you preach Jesus, you're taking their power away and you've got to humble yourself in front of Jesus. Well, they didn't like humbling themselves in front of Jesus. So here we go. Acts 7, 54 through 60. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Whew. Now just, you're talking to the Sanhedrin. Okay, the law of the lawmakers. The ones who are like, I am above the law. And you say, and you say what? The Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Dragged him out of the city. Can you just see it? Oh, we're not going to take that. Began to stone him. And here's where we first get Saul. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. When you lay your coat in front of somebody, what do you think that person who's standing there with the coats? He agrees what you're doing. He's helping them. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin. Mm. You're getting stoned. (laughs) You're bleeding. You're going to be dead in a little bit. And what's the last words of Stephen? Lord, don't hold this sin against them. You put yourself in his shoes and you're getting stoned. What was your last words? I hate to say it, I might not say that. Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he said this, he fell asleep. So here's Saul, seeing Stephen being stoned to death, agreeing with them that they're doing it, and he's under Gamaliel. So here's his story. Acts 22, 1-21. Brothers and fathers. So this is him telling this story. Uh, to people who need to come to Jesus. Brothers and fathers, listen to 
my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. That's like us if we go to school and we, you know, talk high school and ease. You know, we talk like high school people. They'd be like, oh, saying what's up, you know? Or we go to like, uh, you know, some kind of culture and we don't know the language and we start speaking their language. They're like, oh, let's listen to that first. Okay, so here we go. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city. I studied under Gamaliel. And they're like, oh, okay, this guy's legit. Here we go. I was thoroughly trained in the law of the ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison. And they're like, yeah, this guy is good. Look at this. And as the high priest and all the council can testify, I even obtained letters from from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Now, if he stopped there, they would have been like, yeah, let's hire this guy. Then he tells us. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice to say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, when I read that the first time, I was thinking, Jesus rose, he's in heaven, right hand of God, he's spiritual. How can Saul be Huh? I just want to tell you, you mess with Christians, you mess with Jesus. Period. That's his children. And Saul was messing with Christians. He was killing them. He was persecuting them. So when Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You are persecuting Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He goes this. Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord asked. I mean, what shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, get up, Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. (laughs) My companions led me by the hand to Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me, which if you go back in Acts, it's funny what what Ananias says to God. But anyway, he was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear the word from his mouth. You will be his witness to the people of what you have seen and heard. So he's going to see and hear all that Jesus had to, to say to him and see Jesus. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be immersed in the water, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, uh-oh, where was Saul when Stephen was being stoned to death? Sitting right there watching. He said, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. 
Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Saul, who was under Gamaliel, who was the, the, Jews, the Jewish of Jewish people, he was the law of the, I mean, he, he knew the law backwards and forwards. He knew three languages. He was had all, these, all this money. And you're sending what? To who? To where? I'm just going to tell you that people do not like him. And people don't like him today. He had the words of Jesus written down through him in these books. And there's a lot of people who don't like him. Or who cherry pick. Well, we don't like what he said in here. And when we, we'll just so when we're preaching here, at least until you fire me or you throw stones at me, I'm going to preach what is in there. And if you don't like it, then you argue with Jesus, not me. I mean, I, I can sit down with you and talk to you through it. How logically that Jesus puts these things in here and, 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 and we need to follow him no matter what we feel. But I'm going to preach the word. So some of these books, and you can go home and read them, some of these are going to be some controversial topics. But if Jesus says, I'm going to exegesis it, not eisegesis. I'm not going to take our culture and try to fit it in. I will take Jesus and fit it into our hearts and our world and our minds. Because Jesus is more important than our culture. It's more important than your feelings. So, as we go through these books, Paul has some harsh words. But they're good. Because they came from Jesus. And we need to follow What can we learn from Jesus speaking through Paul's letters? Here we go. Last thing. Near life. Okay, then we can go. Through turmoil and blessings. Listen to this very carefully. Through turmoil and blessings, Paul will preach and teach Jesus no matter what he was going through. We need to do the same. Guys, there is a time coming where you will be put in jail. You will be beaten. You will be, I don't know, stoned to death. Tortured. Because you're a Christian. I promise you that. History always repeats itself. So be prepared. And how do you be prepared? You read what Jesus told Paul to write down. Because he went through turmoil. I mean, you read what Paul went through to get Jesus' word out. And he counted a blessing to be that way. He counted it worthy when he was persecuted, when he was made fun of, when people left him. When his family hated him, when people tried to stone him, he counted a blessing. So as we go through the letters of Paul, realize you will be put to the test and you will question. And that's okay. God has big shoulders. Just don't get rid of Jesus in the meantime. He will teach you and he will help you if you follow Jesus. Not our world, not our culture, not your feelings. Let Jesus lead you. Let's pray.